Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Chicago. I'm your co-host Robert Bobby Reed, and I got the legend, the NBA veteran, the McDonald All-American, your host Marcus living in the building. What's up, Marcus? What's up, my beautiful people? And we got a special guest in here today. One of Carbondale's finest. Did his thing in high school in Carbondale. Went on to the flying line out to be on the legendary flying line out all American team. That's my all American team. Then went got drafted to the league, played in the league. Then now he's doing the color commentary for the Big Ten Network. Man, give it up for the legend Stephen Bartle, man. What's up, boy? What's going on, guys? How y'all doing today? How you like that? Good, Bartle. How you like that intro, man? I love it, man. <laughs> you got me hyped. I'm ready to go. I feel like I'm, I'm coming out of uh, getting introduced to get ready to start a game or something. That's pretty dope right there. <laughs> Six five, boy. I know you scoring that thing. <laughs> well, but Bardo, I want to just jump right in, man. I've been watching you do your thing on social media, television. Uh, you do a great job with that. And I was like, man, you know what? I want to start a podcast. I want to be like Bardo. I mean, the former player, he's doing his thing, talking about the game of basketball, sharing his knowledge with the public. So why not do it? And we did it, and we created All Ball Chicago. And, and you do, you're doing a fantastic job, guys. I think, um, you know, Marcus, you and I have been tight, you know, from day one, and you've always been a student of the game you know, student of life and student of the game. And, uh, you know, you're taking the skills that you developed on the court and all you're doing is applying it to the media sphere. And if we look, guys, it's a lot of brothers doing quite well that have been in the basketball space that have taken their knowledge and experience and relationships over into media and, you know, have done very well. And I think you guys are doing exactly the same thing. So, uh, you know, Marcus, I've always wanted to be free. You know and what I mean by that? Um, it's cool to work on other pe people's networks, but it's better to have your own. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that that's that's kind of why I'm, I'm kind of angling the way that I am and getting really busy in the digital space. Because, you know, man, we, we're the product. We got all the we got all the story. We got all the relationships. Big Ten Network ain't running. Uh, old videos of our president doing nothing because he didn't do nothing. They were <laughs> videos of us. So we need to, you know, we're just learning how to take what we got and apply it to our, our own uh, thing. And that's what that's what we're doing. Yeah, but Bardo, it's, it's a lot of us that don't get that. Like, mm -hmm. 
you help you kind of help me. We we got to be able to create our own narrative. And I think what you just said is right on point. You have we have the social media platform where we can go on and talk about whatever we choose to talk about. Of course, we like to talk about basketball, our upbringings and things like that. But I also think we can chime in and talk about the University of Illinois men's basketball program. We can yep. talk about the NBA because we've been there and done that. Yep. You know, we were superstars in high school. We can talk about those things. And I think a lot of former athletes are afraid to see what's that next step look like. What, what you know, how to reinvent themselves. What do you think about that? Marcus, you spot on with that, bro. Um, it, it, and the thing is, man, we, you did the work. Uh, Bob may not know this. A lot of people don't know this. Marcus humbled himself and he knew that he wanted to make a change. And so we would talk and, you know, the things that I would learn, I'd share with him, the things that Marcus would learn, he'd share with me. And Marcus, you did the work. You, you, you did the research. You looked and saw what needed to be done and, you know, you put it out and, you, you, you try certain things, they don't work. And then you come back to the drawing board, you try something else and you learn from that experience. And so unfortunately, a lot of athletes, former athletes are paralyzed by fear because they don't know which way to go. Mm. And so it's better to go the wrong direction because you're doing something, you'll learn on the path. But unfortunately, uh, former players, we had so much success playing that we don't want to look bad in another uh, space. But what we don't realize is that when we went, when I went to the park in Carbondale, I used to get my ass kicked every day. Because the dude, the old heads, wasn't, you know, they don't let no young dude come in here and take the court. So you learn. It ain't, this is no different. You got to start one way. You learn. Okay, I got to adjust. Okay, I got to work on my left hand. I got to get a better microphone. Like y'all did. I got to get a backdrop. I got to, you know, I got to do certain things, but you you can't learn that unless you humble yourself and just go a direction. It doesn't have to be the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what kind of paralyzes former players because, Liv, let, let's be honest. C. Webb is on a knucklehead podcast. And they right. talking. He ain't thinking about what he's saying. He like, man, I used to go to the playground and do Liberty finger roll. Come on, dog. That's on the big. That's on the, one of the biggest podcasts in the country. And see, yeah. Webb ain't thinking about. He's not like oh, I'm gonna throw Marcus Liberty a system for all ball Chicago. He's just talking, right? But that's see, Webb. That see, Webb made more money than anybody in the, in the league, and then he's right. transitioned to a beautiful career. But my point mm-hmm. is this: is that what you said? Being a high school star, being a college star, being a pro player, and now being in the in the media. You got everything that you ever need to develop what you need right here. And I think that you don't know this, but a lot of guys are watching what you're doing right now. Wow. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Yeah, man. But, but let's go. Like we always jump into it. We always, you know, like to put that flavor into it. Um, who put that 29.5? Was it a Wilson? Was it a Spalding? Who put that in your hand? <laughs> You know, man, my uh, my father um, played college basketball at Southern Illinois University from 1957 to 1961. And his uh, best friend and teammate, Dr. Seymour Bryson, God rest his soul, uh, 
and Paul Henry, his, his other teammate, these were giants. These men were giants. Marcus, you know my dad. Mm-hmm. And they put the ball in my hand because back then, brothers didn't have a lot of avenues to get out of wherever they were. My dad was dirt poor. He gutted hogs mm-hmm. before he went to school, smelling like uh, chitlins going to school, man. The kids would laugh at it because he had right. to do what he had to do. So wow. the, 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 the round pill or the rock got him out of poverty and got him an education, and he soared from there. So he wanted mm-hmm. his kids, my older my, my brother and my sister and me, to have the same opportunity. That's why my brother played in Indiana in the Citadel. My sister played junior college ball. And I was fortunate enough to play with you at Illinois and play pro ball. But my dad put the rock in my hands because it wasn't a thing to necessarily keep us out of trouble, which it did. It wasn't necessarily something that, you know, uh, would be a hook, uh, meaning that he wanted the, us to get hooked on the game so that if we were clowning off the court or we weren't doing what we were supposed to do in the classroom, he didn't have to necessarily get the belt out and whoop our behind which he did on occasion, but he could threaten to take the rock out of our hand and really have an impact on like, man, you better get them books done because you're not, you're not taking care of the books, you're not going to play. So mm-hmm. my dad was very instrumental. He was very smart in understanding that you can build a life around the greatest game that was ever invented. I don't care what anybody says. You talk football, baseball, the, the greatest game ever is basketball. And I'm going to give you one example why. Basketball is the greatest networking tool on the planet. When you have your kid as a parent, if you have your child in a youth sports situation and you come into a gym, your child has nine teammates, whether you have a daughter or a son, your child has nine or 10 teammates. So you're going to meet those parents. You're more than likely going to meet the parents uh, of the opposing team as well. And there'll be a, there'll be a game coming behind yours, so there's uh, two more sets of parents that come in, and you're gonna talk and you're gonna meet. Those kids are gonna meet each other. They're gonna compete against each other. And Marcus, if you and I do this right and teach people how to utilize the game the way that we're utilizing it, it's the best tool ever. So my dad put the ball in my hands, knowing that I could have a career around the sport, and that's exactly what I've done. So it's, I don't. I can't take credit for that. I give credit all to my father. You know what? A lot of our guests, we mention that, or we throw that out there, who put the rock into him. Majority of them say their parents, their father. You know, mm-hmm. my father did it for me. Your father did it for you. And then I'm trying to pass it down to the next generation of what it takes, what, you know, the people who came before us and laid the foundation of what it's going to take for you to, you have to think like that. That's right. I had to think that this is, even though I know education was so important, but my way out wasn't going to be the education part. It was going to be me getting the hook of basketball because that's something that I love. I was always taught that, you know what, if you love this and you go hard at it, good things will come, you know, and I use that Steven to this day. You know, I look at it as I'm back at basketball again. How did I get started? I was hungry. I wanted to play. So I'm doing the same thing with the social media platform. Look, I'm hungry. I love doing it because if I didn't love doing it, I wouldn't do it. And this is what's making us be successful. And watching guys like you and Clark Kellogg, you know, do, do your thing on television. Uh, I love it. And Jimmy Jackson, you know, you know, me, you and Jimmy Jackson talk many a times about 
how you guys are doing your thing, how you maneuvering around and, and making sure you get things done. I think that's so important for us athletes to look at guys like yourself. It, it is, Marcus. And I, I think, you know, like when I when I watch you and Bob do your show, you guys are so comfortable and you're so authentic. That's why your show has grown the way that it is. You guys love what you're doing. You're knowledgeable. You're bringing out tremendous stories from people. Mark Aguirre is trying to get on your show. Mark Aguirre might be the best player to ever play the game in this city, right? Mm -hmm. Y'all didn't mm -hmm. call him. He called y'all. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? Right. So if 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 we got to look at the we got to look at this thing as a ticket for people that want to get into this space, for mm -hmm. basketball players that want to get into this space, particularly black players that want to get into this space. Because the public fool system, I'm going to say it again, <laughs> the public fool system <laughs> is starting to get exposed as not necessarily the path for a lot of people, right? Because you know, you know why, Marcus, you knew why education may not be your ticket? Because you didn't see yourself in what they were teaching, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you don't see yourself in what's being taught, how are you going to be interested in it? Right. right? Mm -hmm. But when you, you are moving and you're, you're reading your opponent, it, your, your nonverbal communication and your ability to read people and energy, corporate CEOs pay big money to learn how to do that. You mm. know how to do that instinctively. Right. That's your intelligence. And so for so long, people try to tell us, Oh yeah, you're athletic, but you're not intelligent. Bullshit. Mm. Right. Right. The, the the ability to make split second decisions in front of fifty thousand people, most people can't do that. They'd be too nervous. They'd be too scared to make a mistake. That's mm -hmm. high level intelligence, and we got to start changing the narrative mm. around that. That basketball players are as intelligent as people going to Harvard, because here's the difference: people at Harvard can sit in a static classroom they don't have stevie thompson coming at them they don't have billy owens uh coming down the paint and you got to figure out how to stop this freight train from coming to the hole in a split second that's intelligence right so that's the narrative that we have to change and flip and we got to get these young people to understand that this game is much more than just playing this game can can set yourself up for life and that's what you guys are doing and I think that that's one of the reasons why your show has been so successful. Man, by the way, that was some, you dropped some jewels on us again, man. Um, appreciate that. And let's, let's jump to the high school a little bit. Okay. Uh, you know, you're from Carbondale. How did you look at uh, Carbondale, you know, coming from Carbondale and then looking at Chicago high school basketball? Because I know you were checking it out. Oh, oh, you had no choice. <laughs> and, and knowing that one day you'll have that opportunity if you make it to the state tournament, which you did. Mm -hmm. You know, how did you how did you look at, you know, kid from Carbondale having to face some Chicago guys? What was what was your thought process? You know, Marcus, I'm a little different, man. What well, you know, you know how I am. I'm a dog. Right. <laughs> I'm a straight dog. I, I could have grown up on the south side of Chicago and fit right in. 
Right. Uh, you know, 50 to the head, no cover up, whole time. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm a straight dog. And I got that from my old man. I had the perfect storm. Um, I was very similar to you. Uh, I had an older brother that wore me out, wore me out. I mean, just made me tough as nails. And so I relished the opportunity when I got a chance to go to these camps, BC All-Star Camp, uh, Nike All-American Camp. I'd go to, dad would send me to Kansas State University, or I'd go to Bradley, or I, you know, I, I, obviously hometown at Southern Illinois University's camp. And so what would happen, I'd get out of my neighborhood, which we had some country boys down there that can play now. It's has to go that they go at you down there. So we were all competitive and we always had a chip on our shoulder because people thought of us as country, y'all, y'all small time, you can't mm-hmm. play this, that, and the other. I used to bring that when we went to state. When we came to practice the first day at University of Illinois, me and Ken Norman got squared off. And he was kind of surprised that I didn't back down because like, dude, yeah, you, yeah. Ain't, you ain't no tougher than my older brother. I've been here. <laughs> right. I'll take one to give some. I'll take right. the book up and give some, right? I might lose, but you're going to know you've been in a fight. So that's been my mentality my whole life. And so uh, I used to pay attention to y'all, man, um, all the way back to Voise winners, um, Hershey Hawkins, uh, the, the great teams at Westinghouse that Mark uh, Aguirre was on. Uh, I used to, man, Street and Smith Magazine, what? Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, I was all over that stuff because – I was, I was hoping to be able to, to play against guys from the city. I was hoping to be able to play in college. So I knew I was going to have to go heads up with some cats from St. Louis, Indy, Detroit, Chicago, you know, because we were back then it was more regionalized. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. nationwide now. It was regionalized then. So we kept our eye on cats in our region. And Chicago was the big jewel. And so I was always paying attention uh, to the ball up there. And in high school, you know, I would try to dominate my community. Then I'd come in my neighborhood, dominate that. Then i try to dominate Southern Illinois. And then eventually I knew that I was going to be able to get up against likes uh, the players of the likes of, of yourself, Everett Stevens, Nick Anderson, uh, 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 Benji Wilson, God rest his soul. You know, great Chicago players. I, You know, I was like a, a, a dog with rabies trying to get at cats for real. That's, <laughs> Uh, Marcus will tell you, y'all know I, Marcus, you know I ain't lying. Right, right. So right. That's, just, that's just how it was. So it, it was a perfect storm for me, Marcus, being kind of having a chip on my shoulder, having an older brother that really prepared me to, to battle. And, you know, I, I was just very fortunate, man. I was very, very, very blessed. Yeah, you said it. You said a mouthful, man, when you said chip on your shoulder. I think a lot of times that chip on your shoulder has to be that motivation factor to me. You yep. know, I may see somebody that they've been talking about in the media and they was doing this and they, oh, he's better than you, Mark. Is wait, he can't wait to play you. And I'm looking at him like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna have that chip on my shoulder when I face you now. Yeah, you gonna get it. You gonna get it. So, man, I get it. And um, now it's time for you to to make that decision. What made you? What helped make that decision to go to the University of Illinois? Was it you going to camps and playing with Nick Anderson and Kendall Gill, or were you thinking about going somewhere else? You know, Marcus, my last two uh, were Northwestern and Illinois, ironically. Uh, Northwestern because I knew I wanted to go into broadcast journalism and the Medill School of Journalism, one of the best in the country. 
And I had a great visit when I went to Northwestern because they took me in the city. So we were on campus, you know, we did, did the stuff with the cats that I was with. We came down to Chicago and kicked it, bro, and I lost my mind. I was like, what? I can hang out till 3, 4 in the morning in the city? And I mean, I, don't, I, I needed one of the things that you put around your neck when you have a whiplash because all the pretty women, I was just like, man, you know, I was, I, was, I, was, I was going. So I came home on my visit, Mark. It's a great story. I come home from my visit from Northwestern, and my mom says, well, well Stephen, what do you think? I said, well, mom, I'm going to Northwestern. And so my dad, Marcus knows my dad, Bob. Bob, my dad is a college professor, administrator oh. at SIU for 55 years. Oh, he was yeah. like, son, get in the car. So he took a drive around my, my hometown. And my dad said, Stephen, you will be miserable. You'll be the best player on Northwestern, and you will lose almost every game in the Big Ten. He said, you've never lost a day in your life. You will not be happy. And I'm looking at him sideways because he – was always harping education, education, education. And he said, listen, you will get a quality education at Illinois and you will win because Illinois and Northwestern are night and day in terms of competitive level, especially back then on basketball. Mm -hmm. So I can't, man, when we got out of the car, I came back in, I said, mom, you know what? I'm going to Illinois. My mom made my dad sleep on the couch for two weeks. She was pissed. She didn't give a damn about basketball. She wanted her baby to get a degree from Northwestern and go off into the workspace. My dad, just wise beyond his years, knew exactly where I needed to go. And it did help that I was at uh, the uh, Nike All-American camp with yourself and Mm -hmm. Nick and a a few other Chicago cats uh, at BC, uh, not BC, five-star all-star camp. I was on the same team with Kendall and Rex Chapman. We won the championship. Me and Kendall got cool there. So I knew I wanted to play in the Big Ten. And I, I just figured, you know what, man? I know these cats. I'm familiar with Marcus. I'm familiar with Nick. I'm familiar with Kendall. It would be cool if we all went to Illinois. We all kept mm-hmm. our work. And that's and that, and you know what? God bless us, because boy, we had a hell of a ride. Didn't we? <laughs> yes, man, we did, man. And still and still on that ride. And, and, and to hear you say that, Steve Bardo, were you guys thinking about making a super team back then? I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> back in the day, everybody wanted to play with certain players, yep, you know. Yep. And and I think this has been going on for a long time. Everybody wants to play with their buddies. You know, everybody wants to play with people that they watched and said, you know what, I think I could play with him because you watch their game. Yep, you can yep. see he can enhance my game. I can enhance his game. I think if we play together, that's going to be special. And that's what I did too, Bardo, when before, when I made the decision to come to the University of Illinois. I was going to go to Illinois, I mean, Syracuse, because I saw that what I could do for Derek Coleman. I was watching him. I'm like, man, I can help Derek Coleman. But at the same time, I was like, man, Nick, Kendall, watching you guys, I'm like, we all interchangeable. Yep. So that could be special too. You know, so I was confused. I told other people, I tell this a lot. I was confused. My heart was at with Illinois, but my mind was saying Syracuse. Mm-hmm. So it, I was kind of confused, but I didn't have a father like you did, you know, to say, you know what, let's jump in the car. 
my, my dad was like, no, we're not going to jump in the car. We're going to walk around this neighborhood. <laughs> you walk around this neighborhood, this concrete jungle, and, and you're going to have to make a decision. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm 17, 18 years old. You know, I have to make, you know, the decision that's going to probably be the deciding factor of what's going to happen down the road with me. Mm. You know, I'm happy that I did make it, you know, the choice to go to the University of Illinois because I met great people. And, you know, and like you said before, I heard you say it on your podcast many times, the network, yes. you know, networking yes. with people that's from your state. The Illini network is huge across yes, is. the world, you know, mm. and I think that's one of the, the biggest things that I've taken from this, you know, podcast is that people love players. They love people who attended the university and they want to see you be successful. Yeah. And, and Marcus, I, I, I'll add to that. Everything you said is spot on and correct. What we didn't realize when we were playing, because when you're when you're playing at in a Big Ten conference and you're playing at an elite level, because the conference now resembles a little bit like when we played, I still don't think it's as tough. It's it's balanced, it's deep, but it they don't have the pros today, like they had the pros when we were in the Big Ten. But what but we, what we didn't realize when we were playing, because we had to be focused on our our job, which was to try to win games in an ultra competitive conference. We didn't realize the feeling that we gave people when we played. So when you've got all the players from the state of Illinois and you've got guys that are unique and can fly through the air and can trap and run and Pete, man, we really gave people an emotional feeling. That's why the 2005 team was outstanding, but they don't come close to the feeling that we gave the Illini Nation. And I want to let our viewers know, because I know you, you all always have a lot of people that see this. The University of Illinois Alumni Association is the second largest in the world. I'm going to say that again. The University of Illinois Alumni Association. That's just people that are registered. That's not, that's not alums. That's just people who have a card that say, I'm part of the University of Illinois Alumni Association. Mm. Second largest in the world. So imagine all these millions of people, Marcus, that you had an impact in that emotional connection that 32 years later is as strong today as it was when we were playing. That's, that's why these decisions, Bob, your son, that's why the decision where your son is going to play is paramount because it, it's... It, the decision is not for the next four years, it's for the next 40. Right. That's how important <laughs> these decisions are. When you have young people that have the ability to play this great game, you got to be very careful in the decision that you make because it's not just about the basketball fit. It's not just about the coach. It's not just about the school size and will your son or daughter be comfortable in that scenario. It's what's going to happen for the next 40 years. And that's what I think um, – that, that we didn't realize, Marcus, the impact, the emotional connection that people have with that. And Big Ten Network and Fox and ESPN and CBS, they know this. That's why they take advantage of it. Wow. Wow. I, 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 
that's that's within itself, man, what you just said. I didn't really know we were the second largest in the world. Yeah. I didn't know. That. Yeah. Penn State. Penn State's got slightly more than we uh-huh. I think we have six. I think we have 650,000 registered. Alone. Damn, that's a lot. That's that's and and you know what, Marcus? Every last one of them knows who you are. Wow. Wow, man. Bardo, you always, you know, bring it, man. And you brought it again. Uh, so let's get to some of these comments uh, that we have on our feed. Bob, you see some of them? Oh, man, people, man, they love y'all to death, man. I, you know, y'all like the Beatles, man. Uh, <laughs> one guy named Carol Pohl, uh No, that's Carol Pohl Paquette. Yeah, she's, okay. she's a huge Alana fan. She says she's so glad you didn't go to Syracuse, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was so epic watching y'all. Uh, Bardo, the feeling was electric, man, way before the Fab Five, man. Mm. They always compare y'all to them teams, man. But y'all was before them, man. So I don't think popularity was there before until y'all did it. So it was able to, it, they was able to mimic that later on. Would y'all agree with that? With the flying like with the five five five, I I would Bob. You know why? Because if you all all of them to a man, except for Chris Weber, I didn't get a chance to ask Chris this, but Jawan, Jalen, Jimmy King, and, and uh, Ray Jackson, they all want to play at Illinois. You know that, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Live, you heard you heard about this, didn't you, Live? They want this to my first time. It's my first time. I knew Jawan did, but I, this is my first time hearing about the Jalen Rose. He wanted to play at Illinois because they they love the flying line eye. Right. Look, look and, and this is how popular we were, Bob. I'm with the Detroit Pistons. Now Grant Hill, Lindsey Hunter, uh Allen Houston, whole nine. I'm with, I'm with the Pistons. I throw an oop. In practice to Grand Hill, and he goes and flushes it. He comes down, he's like, Yo, man, I just feel like the flying line. I right now. <laughs> Grant Hill. Uh, so y'all the era, I'm telling you, that whole era right behind us, they were all they all wanted to be flying the line. Mm-hmm. Mike Shashevsky, Bill Self have told me to their face, to my face, that the flying line was their favorite team of all time. I'm telling you, we, Bob, you said it. You was like, we were, the, we were like the Beatles. I, I don't know if you were playing or not. I'm serious, man. I, I mean, I followed y'all too, man. Y'all were dunking on people. It was a show. Yeah. It was a show. And I, and I talked to Lib about it all the time. I was like, y'all deserve a 30 for 30, man. You know, I think, because yeah. yeah, why y'all still here, man? Give you your roses while you're still here. No, I'm with you on that. But me and Lib been talking about that. Yes. So we, 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 we're going to work it out. We're going yeah. to make that happen. Okay, we're gonna we gonna make that happen. Hey, let so me ask you something. Hold go. on, right quick, Bob, and then I'll, okay. I'll let you jump. I'll let you jump in. I just wanted to get right. this out. Just um, Bardo was just talking about the flying the line. I that that team we had. Why? Why do you think people grasp to us so much? They they liked us so much, uh, Bardo. Why do you think that? Because Marcus, we had something for everybody. We, we our, our team was so dynamic that we had something for everybody. What do I mean by that? So if you are from Southern Illinois, Larry Smith is from Alton, Illinois, and I'm from Carbondale. So you got people that you can root for personally. If you are 
um, somebody that liked hip hop, where Irvin Small was breaking down, he was busting rhymes uh, before each game. He he was breaking it down, right? If 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 you liked um, an athletic freak, and uh, go look at Kenny Battles' uh, YouTube video of him catching an inbounds pass and ending Dwayne Shinsis' career. Dwayne Shinsis was a first-round seven-footer from Florida. He was never the same after Kenny put, basically got a man charter slaw, uh, manslaughter charge when he caught that lot and dumped on his head. I mean, they, Florida was done after that. If, if you wanted to see the most devastating baseline player in college basketball, you looked at Nellison Anderson. Right. So when, when Nick got the ball on the baseline, couldn't nobody in the league, couldn't nobody in the country stop him. Right. If you wanted, if you wanted a pure uh shooter, you had Petey Weestraw, the devil's son-in-law, coming off the bench, <laughs> knocking down a three. If you wanted a six-eight point guard who was being played out of position, but he was still very effective, who could bring the he could go get the rebound. He could bring it up against pressure. He could get to the rim and finger roll for 10 feet and make it look like Iceman. He's the number one player in the country in high school. You had Marcus Liberty. Wow. Or if you wanted to undersize power forward or center that could guard cast twice his size but wouldn't back down an inch and could, and, and could score and fly with the rest of us, you had Lowell Hamilton. So at every anything that you were looking for, you could find on the flying line. I think uh, aside from our high flying act, Lib and Bob, our personalities were huge. And anything that you were looking for, you could find in that team. That's why I think we were that special. So why you why why you think that why a lot of programs don't follow suit, including our program, you know, the University of Illinois, to look for those type of players, not thinking about you know, this guy's a three-star, this guy's a four-star, five-star, you know, but looking at that personality, looking at the the body of work that they have did in high school and why you see a lot of colleges looking at, oh, he's a five-star player, I got to recruit this kid. But they're missing out on some great kids, some great talent that may not even get looked, that may not even be a McDonald's All-American, that may not be an All-Stater, but can get out. You know, I, I think that um, you got to look at now as compared to then. Back then, we didn't have the Internet mm -hmm. and things were regional. Remember, I was talking about how things are a lot more regional back then than they were now, than they are now. And so I think the uh, Lou Henson, Jimmy Collins, Dick Nagy, Mark Coombs took advantage of that regional nature. And they didn't, you know, they didn't have to come the, – the beauty of being the head coach at the University of Illinois, you don't have to leave the state. You got mm -hmm. the crown jewel in Chicago right in your state. Everybody wants players from Chicago. Chicago produces – I don't care what anybody says. I know they still – people talk about D.C. now and Memphis and Seattle and I, whatever, man. People still come to the city because Chicago forges the best basketball players in the country. What do I mean by that? This is a tough-ass city. You can't live here and be weak. You can't be soft here. The weather is tough. The corruption is tough. The police are tough. The crime is tough. The hoop is tough. 
Go to Farragut High School and try to win a basketball game when there's fans in the stands. <laughs> go, go, go ahead and, and and drive your car in K Town and get out and walk around and think and see if your car is going to be there when you when you come back. That's toughness, right? Mm. And so, if you're the head coach of University of Illinois before the internet, before people could come in and swoop into Chicago and get kids. They had a they they locked the state down, and so they were able to get the best talent out of the state and get these different personalities that, like you said, may not have been five star, may not have been all American, may not even been all state, but they could do that. Now it's a lot tougher because everything is on everything. You know, hmm. we got high school games on the internet, got high school games on television, so. People in, in upstate New York can see exactly what's going on in the city of Chicago. That's why I think it's a lot harder to, to kind of duplicate or replicate what the flying Illini became in this current era because Chicago kids now go all over the country and play. They even did back then. Jason Strait will end up in, in Wyoming. Or um, uh, let me – I mean, I, there's so many examples of Chicago kids – that went other places that had great careers. Um, but now, you know, that's the norm. But back then, the top talent used to stay in the state. So that's why, Marcus, I think today it's a lot harder to re recreate something like that just based on the Internet and people being able to, to look in and see what all what everybody else is doing. Okay. Go ahead, Bob. No, I was, I was, you basically asked him the same thing, uh, what I was thinking. And Bartle went straight into it. But also, I want to add to that, Bartle, the fact that um, there's a drop off in talent, too, though. Do you think that, though, with the yeah. state of Illinois? Yeah. And, and you know why? It's because people are leaving the state. Um, oh, okay. And, and I'm going to talk on a macro level for a second. The state of Illinois is broke. It, it, it you know, our, our, bond rating at one point was worse than the country of Afghanistan. I don't think many people understand that. Mm. What I mean by bond rating, what the state uses to, when they go and borrow money, they have a certain rating, like a credit rating. Mm -hmm. Our credit rating is so bad that it, it, it costs a lot of money for the state of Illinois to borrow money to run its services because we've oh. run the state into the ground. The politicians have run the state into the ground. And so people are leaving the state. Our taxes are extremely high because politicians for decades have, have misused the funds. And so where Chicago had a diverse population, the population is going other places. People are getting tired of these damn snowstorms and these right. women and right. these taxes and right. the lack of social services. People are getting tired of it. So they're going to Atlanta. They're going to Dallas, Texas. They're going to Phoenix, Arizona. They're going to different mm -hmm. places. And I think that that's, that's what happens with the talent pool starting to leave, especially mm -hmm. the city. The city's lost a lot of population in the last 10 to 20 years. And when right. you lose population, you lose talent. And so I think that that's why you're starting to see where the state doesn't have quite as much talent as they used to have because our population isn't the same. Hmm. Well, it looks sense. like we got a looks like we got a question from Stephen Pierce. We got to get him on because Stephen keeps inboxing. I see him on the timeline, Steve. Oh, that's so our we boy. Gotta, 
I know that's our boy. That's our man, Steve. He used to think he can dance. He, you know, he's a football guy. He used to dunk on people at MB and all that. So, Steve, we're going to let you get on right now. He said, Steve, do you, do you guys think that the University of Illinois should hire their own? I say yes. He said yes because we have skin in the game and we don't want to lose. Um, Stephen, uh, by the way, what up, Stephen Pierce? That was my dude back in the school, man. That's my main man, Hunter Grand, right there. All right, I had to get that out of the way. Uh, so his question, I agree with. But what we don't understand a lot of times, there is so many politics at the university level with the hiring and the things that they, the, the boxes that people have to check in order mm -hmm. to hire people to come back and work with these uh, athletes at the college level, we have no idea. It, it's really crazy. Uh, that's why I've never even considered, I've considered coaching college, but I'm never going to do that because it's the, the, the people that can sacrifice their lives because you, you pretty much sacrifice your life. Your mm -hmm. life is gone, as you know it. If you're going to become a coach at the level of a University of Illinois, you have to devote your life to that. So there's that, there's the work ethic that I'm not questioning Stephen Pierce because I know that cat will work, but there's so many politics behind this. And you got and and we talked about networking earlier in the show. You you got to be able to have a relationship with somebody before the job becomes open. Mm -hmm. Because you, you can't just come into a cold situation as a candidate if you don't know the hiring person. Because people hire who they know. Mm -hmm. They don't, you know what I'm saying? They're going to hire who they're comfortable with. Because if they're going to put their neck on the line, they're going to be like, like, I know Marcus. I know Stephen Pierce. I know what he's about. I know he's high character. I know he'll bust his ass. I know he cares about the kids. But if, if, if a Stephen Pierce doesn't have that relationship before the job comes open, then he's going to be on a pile of resumes like this mm -hmm. that's probably not going to get looked at because there's three or four candidates that when the job comes open is already in the mind of the person doing the hiring. So it's, mm. it's very nuanced how you have to position yourself. If you want to get hired by your alma mater, you got to be working on that for years oh. before that opportunity becomes available. Then it's an easy sell. Then it's an easy hire. But where, where I think we, as former athletes, aren't instructed or taught is that we got to be working on that for years. If that's mm -hmm. what we want to do. We got to stay in our current position, kill it. Like if, if Stephen Pierce is, is coaching high school uh, football or he's at a, a, a local community college or he's at a D3 or D2 or whatever he is and he wants to get to the University of Illinois level, he's got to absolutely dominate where he is but be working on that relationship building for years before mm -hmm. that job becomes over. Wow. Wow. It makes sense. Do you think it's uh, hard for an African-American uh, to coach college basketball, NCAA, Division One top programs? Do you think it's hard, Bardo, for a guy like Marcus Liberty says, I want to be that coach. I have those relationships. <laughs> Can I get the same 
look as my white counterpart? Can I get that same look? If we're going to be honest, no, you're not going to get the same look. Uh, because unfortunately, the people doing the hiring don't look like us. The reason why Jawan Howard is doing so well at Michigan is because Ward Manuel's a brother that played football at Michigan the same time that we were in school, Marcus. Ward Manuel's like us. He's he's our age. Okay. And he's a brother. And he's a real brother. Now, he's got to put that corporate hat, you know, Michigan AD hat on and all that. But when you get him away from that, he knows that nobody's looking. He's a brother. Right. Right? And so Jawan has his support. That's the other thing. You can get hired as a coach, but if you don't have support, you get a hook really quick, right? But I think the narrative is changing, Marcus, because Jawan is going is the Big Ten coach of the year. Penny Hardaway is doing a fantastic job in Memphis. Jerry Stackhouse is doing a really good job in Vanderbilt. And they're killing the notion that NBA players can't come back and be successful college coaches. There was a narrative out there that they would spread in college athletics that states this NBA players don't want to work hard at the college level to be, to put the work in, to do the necessary things to run the program that we hold so near and dear. And I'm, I'm speaking like I'm an administrator at a university, right? They'll say a Marcus Liberty doesn't have the work ethic to come in and represent the university of Illinois, the proper way. That's a, that's a, that's a narrative that's been shared for for decades. But Penny Hardaway, Jawan Howard, and Jerry Stackhouse are, are beating that narrative. And here's the ironic part of that, ladies and gentlemen. You know why they're in college? Because the NBA wouldn't hire them. <clears throat> Jawan <throat> Howard wanted to be a head coach at the NBA level and had every right to be so. But he was not, he everybody wanted to give him an associate head coaching position, an assistant. Uh, coach position. He'd been an assistant in Miami forever. Yep. He was uh, he was under the tutelage of one of the best ever, Pat Ryan. <clears throat> That's mm-hmm. why he's killing at Michigan. You don't think Penny Hardaway picked up coaching skills at, at the NBA level that he's using at Memphis? Mm-hmm. And same for Jerry Stackhouse. They're not in college because they necessarily want to be. They're, they want to be now. They're doing a great job. But they would have preferred to be NBA head coaches but they were never given that opportunity. So they had to go to the college route to prove themselves. And so now that they're proving themselves, a guy like Marcus Liberty will have an easier time if Marcus, if a person like Marcus Liberty so cho- chooses to try to get into that field, you're, you're much better equipped now because that barrier has been broken down. Wow. Yeah, and, and you're right. Jawan is doing a remarkable job. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to give y'all some insight because I'm on your show and I want to give you something that nobody else it. knows, right? So I put up a list last night of the player of the year, the freshman of the year, defensive player of the year, and coach of the year. My player of the year was Io DeSumo. I caught hell for that, mm-hmm. right? My freshman of the year, Hunter Dickinson, Michigan. I don't think there's any question of that. Defensive player of the year, Miles Johnson from Rutgers. No question on that. My coach of the year I put up was Matt Painter. Now, Ooh. why did I do that? I preferenced it I, before I said what I, the reason I said it, 
I said, Jawan is not blood relative, but I consider Jawan a brother. He's family, right? Mm-hmm. And he's gonna get the he's gonna get Big Ten Coach of the Year. We all know that, right? Right. I'm, I was trying to shed light on what what kind of job Matt Painter at Purdue is doing. What he have, yeah. And Marcus understands this. He's playing five freshmen in the mm-hmm. most competitive conference in the country. He has no mm-hmm. one and done freshmen, but he's got five freshmen and they are fourth or fifth in this conference mm-hmm. that needed to be brought to attention. That's the only reason I did it. We all know Juwan Howard is the overwhelming Big Ten coach of the year, but I got to be careful about how I say what I say on the air because this is what black men have to do in the media. We got to right. be savvy. Right. Bell could go on and talk about his friends all day long. <laughs> and no one looks at him sideways. But if I put too many brothers up there, they're going to be looking at me sideways. Right. You right. Feel me? Right. So that I, I wanted to give y'all a little bit of that I, because I, man, the, the SID from Michigan, bro, I'm going to have to tell you off the air what he did. Oh, uh, okay. Because I was straight. No, nah, I ain't gonna say that because no, I, don't I, that, no, we, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you about it off there. Okay, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So I agree with you. Let's talk about IO and what the body of work that he's putting in this year. You know, he looks like he got stronger. Looks like he's been in the weight room. He worked on the jump shot. He's a hard worker. Yes, you can see it. He put he put that hard hat on and he goes out there and do it. And he wants that responsibility of taking the next level. What do you think about IO and talk about some of the things because you watched Illinois play a lot and you did some of their games a lot. Talk about IO Dusuma and what he means to this year's team. Well, first of all, um, the reason I made IO I, I say that IO Dusuma is the player of the year in the Big Ten is because my criteria, Bob and, and Marcus, is a little bit different than what a lot of people use. And I've been screaming Luca Garza all year, up until about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is that Io DeSumo's averages, there's only been uh there's only been four players since nineteen ninety since nineteen ninety to average over twenty points a game over six rebounds a game and over five assists a game. That's Penny Hardaway. Um, that's, um, uh, oh, the, the, the outstanding guard from Ohio State, 2011. Chicago Cat. Um, oh, Evan Turner. Evan Turner. Th- there's some kid named Menard from Moorhead State and Io Dusumu. Only four since 1990. Now, when you put it to the, when you put into the equation, the 40% three-point shooting that Io DeSumo has right now, nobody in college basketball history has had those averages for a regular season. If Io can keep those numbers for the rest of the regular season, he will be the only player in college basketball to ever do it. Now, throw on top of that, there were only two players in the University of Illinois basketball history to get triple doubles. The University of Illinois basketball program is the 11th winningest program in the country. It's one of the best in the country. 
Io's got two double, triple doubles in the last two weeks. So what it take it, what what took, I don't know how old our program is, over 100 years. What took 100 years to get two times, Io's done in two weeks. He's got two triple doubles in two weeks. So Iowa fans were pissed. Other people were pissed on Twitter try, trying to give me statistics. And I was like, okay, if the statistics are similar, whose team is doing better? Right. Mm-hmm. Illinois. Right? So Io DeSumo, in, in my opinion, now has, has put himself as national player of the year candidate. Mm-hmm. Because Illinois is one of the top teams in the country. They're five in the country. They're second to Michigan in the Big Ten Conference. Io's averages are, are as good or better than anybody in the, in the conference or the country. So Io's having a historic season that I want to continue to shed light on because that young man has worked hard. He couldn't wipe his ass with his left hand before the season started. But he's worked on his left hand now. Right. You can see it. He can go left now. The kids put the work in. Yes, his body has. has changed. His jump shot is better. He's uh he's as fast as anybody with the basketball in the country. Mm-hmm. So all these things make Kwam Dean Dosumu, because that's his first name. Kwam Dean. Io is his middle name. Kwam Dean is his first name. He and his dad are named Kwam Dean. I'm gonna start calling him Kwam Dean. <laughs> hey, it just sounds like it. it sounds special though. It sounds it, special. It is special. Right. Look, we don't look, guys, we don't like to talk about the origin of where people come from. He's Nigerian. We gotta celebrate that. Right? Right. We gotta celebrate his background. A lot of us here in the United States. Our people aren't from here. They're from somewhere else. So, Bardo, when you said that, I know people were like, who is he talking about? We got a new player? <laughs> they did, but my, my play-by-play partner, Brandon God, did a great job. He, he was like, because he knows. He's like, that's that's Io's first name. Io is his middle name. So people people kind of got on to it. But I, I'm going to call him Kwam Dean. And when I did the interview after the game, I didn't say it on the air, but I was like, Quam Dean, you making us proud. Man, his, his face lit up, right? And so we need to celebrate that. But all those things make, to me, make Io special. He was already an All-American coming into the, the season, but he's gotten better as the season has gone on. You don't typically see that um, at this level. So he, he's been fantastic. Uh, it, it should be a special run for the fight in the lineup because they're peaking at the right time. And I can't let you go without talking about Debo. Debo in the paint, man. Debo oh, man. in the paint. Man. Big coffee. Big coffee. Big. Hey, man, listen. He, he's, one, he's changed his body. He's learned to stay out of foul trouble for the most part. And Marcus, you know this. For bigs like him at the college level, they penalize players that size because they don't know how to officiate him. Because he's so big, if he turns with his hands on the basketball and he hits somebody, they're flying into the fifth row. Now, he didn't, right. he didn't do it extra. He just turned. For somebody like me and you, if we're in the post and we turn and bump into somebody, they're not going to fly back. But he gets penalized because of his size. He's learned how to finesse that. So now, if you watch him catch, man, he's, his footwork has improved. 
Mm-hmm. He's got better hands than he's given credit for. He's got really good touch. I believe he can hit three pointers. They just don't want it. They don't want him shooting it. But if you watch his form at the free throw, he's got really good form. He's got soft touch. I, I think I think the dude, I think I uh, Quam Dean and Big Kofi, I think are the best one-two punch in college basketball. I really, really do. And if Luca Garza and Io and Quam Dean weren't in the Big Ten right now, Kofi Coburn would be up for Big Ten Player of the Year. That's how that's how what kind of season he's had. So what do you think they stack up, Bardo? They have five, I think they have five Big Ten games left. And it's yep. against some pretty good competition besides Nebraska. Nebraska, right? You have mm-hmm. Michigan State, Michigan, yep. I think, uh, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. And Nebraska. Yep. So they they have to pretty much win outright because I think it's going off the win percentages, right? That's right. Uh, to 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 win the title. So how how you think they're going to do, man? Because a lot of those games are on the road. Yeah, and and, and here's the thing, Marcus. I think they're going to do pretty well. Uh, I think the the game the game that scares me is Ohio State. But here's the thing: when you go by that time, we'll know if they have a chance at a Big Ten title or not. The, the, the problem in the Big Ten when they expanded the, the league is that you don't, you don't have a true round robin. So Michigan's schedule favors them. They don't – they probably not going to play Illinois. You, I, I know the league would like to see them reschedule that game. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh-huh. So Michigan and Illinois may never play this year in the regular season. So, whereas Michigan is concerned in terms of having a lot more challenges, they don't have as many challenges. They had a big one yesterday, and they, they won with flying colors. That was the best game in college basketball this season. They won yeah. at Ohio State 92-87 as an entertaining and physical game as you're ever going to see. Then they last weekend, they won at Wisconsin. So, Michigan is in the driver's seat, obviously. Illinois has an outside shot, but Michigan's going to have to stub, stub their toe a couple times on teams that aren't as good as Illinois, Iowa, and Ohio State. So that's where the, the the tricky part is. Will Illinois take care of their business? I think they will. The only game that I think they will really have a lot of trouble with is at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. But I think that they, they're going to put themselves in position uh, to, to handle their business. It's just they need a little bit of help from others in the league to upset Michigan. I didn't know that. I didn't know they they probably wouldn't play Michigan. I didn't know that. Yeah, so. they, they were only scheduled to play one time. But then Michigan went into that COVID, COVID pause. It wasn't from their team. It was a whole athletic department that shut down. And so it was outside of the basketball program's control. I know Juwan. He'd love to play Illinois. If they were to mm-hmm. play outside on, on, on the playground somewhere, hey, meet us halfway. Meet us in Kokomo, <laughs> Indiana on this court. He would love to play. So would Brad Underwood, Illinois. The players would want to play. It's not them. It's the league. It's the league office. They, I, I, I know they would try to work the schedules out. I don't know if the schedule is going to work out for them to make that game. Okay. All right. But like you said, they was in uh, COVID protocol and they shut down. And then to see Michigan play the way they've been playing. Great point, Mark. Did they really shut down? 
I mean, <laughs> them guys were. I'm I'm pretty because somebody told me that I don't know if it's facts or not. You know that nobody on their team really had COVID, right? But they still ended up set shutting it down, right? So my point is, they shut it down. I thought you're not supposed to do any practices or or you know be amongst each other like that. And these guys, they came out smoking when they got off the uh, the the weight. The list, you know, waiting for those fourteen or seven. How many days do they have to wait? Uh, they 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 were out three weeks. Yeah, twenty one days, Marcus. They were out a while. Right. So and, and to see them, so if you were not playing any basketball for twenty one days and to come out like you're coming coming out, uh, it, it's something ain't right. <laughs> they were playing, man. They were hooping, man. They were hooping, uh, but. But no, you're trying, you're trying to get me in trouble, ain't you, Mark? No, no. Big shout out to Michigan man and Jawan doing his thing, man. I just wanted, to, I just wanted to share that with the viewers, man. That, I know, yeah. I got you. I got you. <laughs> no, and, and you know what? They, I, I could tell the first game back at Wisconsin, they came back. They were down 13 at halftime. They came back and won that game. The the defensive effort in that game was outstanding, Marcus. They were sucking air because oh, they had lost a little bit of their game conditioning. They were tired. But that, that team has such intestinal fortitude. They are tough dudes, man. They don't they get hit and they hit back and they keep hitting back until you quit. And they, they're old school, they're a throwback team. Mm. So I got I got nothing but love for Jawan and that program because those kids they play their they play their asses off. Seriously. Right. Juwan took a took a risk with little Mike Smith, dude, coming from Columbia. Though I've been knowing Mike Smith since fifth grade. The little guard from Michigan, Mike Smith. You think he took a t- took a chance on him, man? I've been knowing him since fifth grade. That boy been a killer since fifth grade, man. So, so is it a is it a is it a chance, Bob? I, I mean, mean, that boy is solid. That's what I'm saying. Fenwick, tough catch, right. tough. Right. Yeah, he's been right. tough forever. Went out went out to the Ivy League. So sure did it. Jawan Howard has been quoted as saying, if, if he had a daughter, he'd want Mike Smith to marry his daughter. Mm. He said, this dude has never had a bad day in his life. Upbeat personality, tough as hell. And you see him now, he's really balling now. I mean, scoring, setting up his teammates. He's the perfect guy to run that team. So I don't know that he took a chance on it, Bob. I think he just beat everybody else to the punch. Oh, he did, man. Look, me, we, we talked about that because he played with my son, AAU, for the Illinois Speed, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. And he was a pro then. You know, we yeah. used to come home like, man, you ever seen a kid like this fade not about? He's been tough since then. Yeah. But like you say, a lot of cats from the suburbs are overlooked. They overlook guys, man, because they think, oh, if you're not from the city, and he's been tougher than anybody from the city. He's from that class of 2016, and he's still lingering around. So shout out to Mike Smith. Yeah, and you and you know what, guys, his size, y'all know this, they got to be tough, yeah. right? Cats try to punk them all the time, yeah. and you, you know, you come from the fatherland area, you ain't getting punked. Nope. You can't, you can't make that level. You can't get to the elite high school level and get recruited to go to college and be soft. You can't. You got to be tough, and mm-hmm. he's not only tough, he's smart, yeah, likable, and he knows how to play. And right. it's, it's been a perfect marriage between him and Jawan. Yeah. And I think they said, I think Jawan Jawan said that the kid been come to his camps, you know, since he was little too. So he had that relationship with the father and the kid 
already. Mm -hmm. So that was a win-win situation that was going to happen. I just want to say this before we get out of here. I just don't understand why a lot of kids get overlooked like him. You know, he could have been playing, you know, high major D1 basketball from the get up. But sometimes it just seems like a lot of kids get overlooked. I mean, my nephew was the same way. Javon, at uh, he's at DePaul now. Yeah. But oh, yeah. he was, you know, he was only being recruited by low mid-major uh, colleges. And he used to always say to me, why? What are they looking for? And then I said, I said to him, and I was being honest with him. I said, it's your body. It's your frame. So people looking like at you, Javon, and saying, I don't know if he can play at this level, you know, mm -hmm. but not knowing that your toughness, <laughs> you know, is going to get you by that. You know, that's why I said, Bardo, when we was talking earlier about how people back in the day recruited you, they were going to those games and seeing you battle. Now you're saying that the thing that you said is they can go right to the computer and look. That ain't showing me anything, really. I need to go to them games and see those kids play and see how he interacts. You know, anything, anybody can edit the video. Marcus, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, talent evaluators in this day and age are a little bit lazier because mm -hmm. they, have, they have far more skills. And like, like Bob's done, I've seen Bob's videos of his son, and rightfully so, because you want, you, you want to give your kid – as much exposure as possible. So the parents are doing some of the work that these talent evaluators need to be doing. Mm. See what I'm saying? So right. now they can say, they can make evaluations on a kid. They can get a certain amount of video and they can look and see who he's playing against and, and they and try to make projections. Cause really that's what the talent evaluation is. We're trying to project, can this kid who's playing well at this level, can he get, really good and be dominant at this next level. That's mm -hmm. all talent evaluation is trying to project mm -hmm. can kids, can this skill set, can, can their skills get them to the next level? But what they can't judge is going on a, in a rivalry game on the road when the refs are screwing you. Mm -hmm. How does that kid respond? Mm -hmm. How's the kid respond when he got elbowed in his mouth and the ref didn't catch it? And, and, he, and guys are playing dirty against him. How does he respond? Does he throw a punch? Or does he cross him over and leave lingerie on the deck and look at him <laughs> like he's a fool? Like, get up, son. Because I'm coming all day. You can hit me. I'm still, I'm still dropping you off at the hole. I'm still winning the game. Y'all can rock my bus. All right, rock the bus. We still kicking your ass. You can't right. measure that unless you see a kid in those tough scenarios. And that's why your nephew, Marcus, he was going to get to the level that he needed to get to eventually, and that's going to make him a better player in the long run, right? Mm -hmm. He'll have that chip on his shoulder. But that's that's why I think kids get – they fall through the cracks because these talent evaluators have far more skills at their disposal, far more tools to help them evaluate talent, but it doesn't necessarily make them better talent evaluators. And that's no knock on the parents. Because, right. Bob, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. And that's why I wanted to hop in with that, too, Bardo and Liv, oh, yeah. uh, when you say with your nephew. Uh, and a lot of times, uh, these coaches are only listening to certain people when they come to Illinois. You know what I'm saying? Because my son was one of the top 10 phenoms in NYTLA in the class of 2019. So if he top 10, he was number two. All of those kids went straight D1, 
Right. I should have moved him to Wisconsin because <laughs> up here he was bodying these dudes, but Wisconsin they love him. You mm -hmm. know, NYTLA they was hyping them. So I just told him, just stay hungry, man. Just keep working, man. You know, you'll get there. And yeah. and, and here's the thing, we 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 gotta like. I'd love to see us force our way back to the way it used to be. What do I mean by that? If your kid isn't where they need to be, that's all right. Cause that's life. Mm -hmm. We don't always get what we, we don't always get what we deserve at first. Mm -mm. We'll get it eventually. But right. in that life y'all where you don't get that door to open at first because you got to push it a little bit. Mm -hmm. You got to work a little bit. Wow. Yeah, and so Javon went to a different level, but he dominated at Valparaiso. Mm -hmm. To yeah. where now all the all the man Steve Wojciechowski and Marquette Marcus, you know, yeah, Cat was hitting me up to try to get to you, yeah, because he wanted to get to Javon. So it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Maybe when Javon wanted it to, right? But it will it will eventually happen. He's a better player for it. So I I like to tell guys. Our boy uh, Walter Bond called me yesterday, said he wanted to get this kid. This There's a 6'9 kid in Miami that got overlooked because he had a, a torn knee meniscus or something. And so he was getting at a level that he thought and his parents thought and Walter thought should be higher. And I'm like, no, mm -mm. let him let him go there because mm -hmm. because we're missing the point. We all all our kids need is an opportunity. It don't matter where it is. Right. right. See what I'm saying? It doesn't matter where it is. You, We got to get away from having our, you know, and Bob, you're in it right now, and I, I'm, not, I'm not talking to you specifically. I'm talking mm -hmm. about people who have kids in grade school, in junior high, that are maybe freshmen, that see, that see some promise, that have a little bit of attention. Don't worry about getting them to the first. We, we don't want them to be done. They, right. This is, this is developmental. Mm -hmm. Everything is developmental. So your kid may not hit hit stride till they're 30 years old. Mm -hmm. But all of those situations where they didn't get exactly what they wanted, they had to work, that builds you up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if, if, if they gotta if they gotta start at a level where they don't they think they should be higher, prove it. Yep, I agree. Yeah, let them go, support them, give them all the support that you know. Hey, that a boy, you, you're gonna be fine. Keep doing your thing, keep working, keep working, it'll work. We we get our we get away from that with our kids. Yeah, we gotta they gotta be humble, they gotta humble themselves, right? It's a kid, real quickly. It was a kid, like I was telling you, he didn't even really play that much at Bolingbrook High School. His name is Broderick, I forget his last name, but he went to a D2 school yep. and he ended up getting picked up by the Houston Rockets. I think he's playing for the Houston Rockets right now. He got drafted. Now, all of the guys that were starting over him, they still trying to find their way. Mm. So you just never know, man. You got to stay. And I tell my son Colin that all the time. Dude, as long as you continue to work hard, good things happen. Nobody, oh. Nothing's given. Nothing's given. That's right. And it, it, it here's, a, here's a tough thing for our kids. There's two things that have made our kids soft as hell. Not talking about your kid. Bob, oh, I agree. Just in general. Two things that have made our kids soft as hell. Instagram mm. and the parents. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're yeah. soft, man. Because here's the thing, and I, I get it. It's out of love. 
Mm-hmm. Right? It's out of love. Like my my sons, I I I tried to maintain some of that toughness with them, and they're thriving now because they they they've they've gone through tough times. They've had their dad discipline them. They mm-hmm. they, they come to me with BS excuses, and I put BS back on them. Like, dude, walk back out the door, <laughs> get your shit correct, and then come back in like you're supposed to. Because I'm not going for that, right? But we we've been soft on our kids because we love them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And our kids can't walk to the park like we used to be able to because uh, it's too dangerous. Yeah, the park is. I got a best selling book. I talked to Marcus about this. The park made us who we are. Yeah, we didn't have we didn't have adults setting up court time. What the hell is court time? You're right. Court time is the playground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to yeah. beat cats to the playground so I can get in the first game. Because mm-hmm. if I lose, I got to sit for two hours. I ain't trying yeah. to sit for two hours. And yeah. then, look, you go from the west side, you come to the south side. You play pickup ball. They may have different rules on the south side. Right. Mm-hmm. Self-governance, leadership, teamwork, communication. All of those things are developed on the playground that our kids don't have access to. Think about right. it. Right, you're right. You learn how to play the game on the playground. Because if you're a shorty, if you're a youngin' and you get in with the old heads and it's game point and you take a, a shot that you weren't supposed to and the old head that didn't get the shot, you took the shot and the old head didn't get the shot, you might get 50 to your head. <laughs> Am I wrong? You ain't lying. You're going to get cussed the hell out, too. Yeah, there it is. So you learn hierarchy. You learn pecking order. You learn all those things on the playground. Ain't no, ain't, ain't no adults around. So as a kid, you could curse. Right. right. Yeah. You say certain things. that you sure adults. Right? Yeah. And the old heads will take you to the side. Cause they see you got you got potential, and the old heads protect you. Yeah, like young fella, you don't need to be doing that. You need to be over here. Right. We right. don't. Have, our kids didn't. They're they not benefiting that. from that. Yeah. So there's there's a few things that have made our kids this, and it's not their fault. I'm mm-hmm. not. I, I I get on I get on adults that try to hammer kids for being soft. Don't blame the kids. Blame the adults. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. We got to make our community safer. To where they can walk out to the court, right? We gotta, we gotta, we gotta be able to get to the way some of the things that we took for granted. We gotta make it that way that they could have some of that. Because I guarantee you, if they had the playground, kids in school wouldn't be acting all crazy like they do. Right. I guarantee you, there's a lot to this that nobody's talking about. So let's not blame the kids. Let's put the onus back on the adults. And let's do things in our community that make it safer to where the kids can get some of the stuff that we had so that they, they, they can be tougher wow. and that they can take advantage of some of these opportunities. Oh, Bado, I, I think we should end on that. <laughs> the way you just dropped those jewels, man, I think we should end on that because I agree for one, 100%. The parents need to step up and set those boundaries like they used to. You do something wrong. This is what's going to happen to you. There's going to be consequences behind your action. But at the same time, get your butt out there and play some basketball. There you go. And be a man. 
You know, be be your be that beast out there on that basketball court. That's right. That's right. I and think you that's know what's what? happening. That's what's happening, right, Bartle? That's what's happening, right? Yeah, and, and, and you know what else, guys? It's okay to get in a fight and get beat up. Yeah. It's all right to get your lip busted. Right. Go back to the movie Friday. Right. Craig, all you need is these. That's it. <laughs> right? We got to get back to that. Because yeah. our kids can't fight. They can't fight yeah. because somebody might shoot them. Right. Yeah. They can't protect themselves because somebody might shoot them. So we right. got we got to work on getting our community back to Craig. All you need is these, <laughs> right? Now yeah. we, it, it's funny, but there was some truth into that. Yeah, right. That that's what makes our young women tougher. That's what will make our young men tougher. Because look, parents know everything their kids do right now. Man, if my parents knew half the stuff I did, they they would they would fall out. Right. Always telling the parents everything. Parents don't need to know half the stuff kids do. You gotta kids gotta have space to experience life on their terms without mm. parents knowing about it. Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. these things are missing right now for our kids. But we as adults want to blame them for our lack of protecting them in our space mm -hmm. in our communities. I'm very pat y'all can see I'm passionate about that. Yeah, that's real though. Because it can't be their fault, Stephen Bart. It can't be their fault. That's right. Somebody, I mean, we had to raise them. So, and then uh, to add to that real quick, Liv, I know we want to wrap it up. The park was a social event because the girls was around the court. Let's talk about them girls watching. <laughs> <laughs> See? So, so, now, hey. so now you got the ladies involved that are checking it out. Yeah. So now you got to work on your communication skills with women. <laughs> You're right. Because if you come sideways, they got 15 other dudes that they can holler at. Yeah. So you're yeah. going to come correct. You ain't going to come sideways, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're going to come uh, respectful, right? Yeah. You're going to be a gentleman. You better be because right. that's that was the culture that we had. You had to meet the parents, dude. There it is. And don't let her have an older brother. Ooh. Talk to her sideways. He'll beat you. Yeah. He'll, he'll hit you upside the head to your white meat show. Right? Y'all yeah. know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. 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 So you see, Bob, that's a great point. You put that in there. There's a whole nother social dynamic that our kids don't they miss out on. They miss out on all of that, man. Our young men don't know how to talk to uh, young ladies anymore. They don't, oh. they don't know how to go up and be chivalrous, nope. open the door to be nice, to compliment. Nope. Right. Man, it's so easy for them now. They just hit a button and say, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm a poke, I'm a poke you. <laughs> <laughs> DM me. Right. <laughs> That's right. You, you ain't gotta have you, you don't have to work on your verbal skill. You just gotta be able right. to do this. Right. And take That's a picture. Right. That's right. That's right. Oh, he, he, oh, she, oh, she's hot. Oh, oh man, but I don't know if you can really talk to me and and and, and handle you know me. I don't know that, you know, because all I see is a face and these <laughs> words coming behind your 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 DM, you know, That's when right. you DM it. You know, That's me right. in the box. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and kids didn't invent this. We did. Right. Mm -hmm. They just use, they just taking advantage of it. They're, you know, they're smart. Kids are smart. Mm -hmm. They just utilize what they have. But it's not their fault. Right. Man, another good one, man. Another good show, man. Bardo, appreciate <laughs> you, my brother. Hey, man. Anytime y'all want me to come on, because I, I just don't forget about me when y'all, because y'all blowing up. 
you, you, you're providing a great service that people, I think you guys are starting to see that you, you've gotten to a, a really nice niche yep. and you guys have really good chemistry together. So keep doing what you're doing, whatever I can do to help. I love to come back on. I love the show and congratulations to all your success, fellas. Keep it going. Appreciate you. And Bardo, yes, drop sir. the book, man. So people can know how to get your book, man. Drop that. Oh, um, uh, I got two books, The Flying Illini. Uh, just, just go to stephenbardo.com, my website. You can see that there. I don't have the book for uh, high school students really out because I got to update it. It's how to how to make the league without picking up the rock. So when Mark oh. and I were coming through, everybody talked about the league. The league was the NBA. Well, the league mm. now could be, I want to be an engineer. I want to be a coder. I want to be an a entrepreneur. That could be your league. And in, right. that, in that high school book, I tell I, I show people as a high schooler, you don't have to be a professional athlete. You can be a photographer. You can do all these different things, but how to make the league without picking up the rock. You don't have That's to be cool. an all-star to play sports. You can do a lot of different things. So just go to stephenbardo.com. I appreciate that, Liv. Thank you. Yeah. Or you could create the culture. The world's first social distance device. <laughs> you got, hey, y'all, hey, listen, you all developed this platform. You all worked your butts off to develop this platform. Take advantage of it. Absolutely, man. So there you have it. We have the great Stephen Bardo. Make sure you check him out on television. He's always doing basketball games. And he's dropping knowledge every time he steps in there on the arena and pick up the mic. And also check out his, his uh, podcast, Bardo's Breakdown. Bardo's Breakdown on Facebook. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate it. All right, my man. Appreciate Shout it, out to Bardo, baby. Thank you. Take it easy, big guy. All right, fellas. Peace, yo. All right, I'll Peace. Love you, man. Be safe. Love you, too. Man, Bardo, that was, was gas. That was nice, man. I was gas, man. I told you, man. I be I, I go I go into the box, man, and I, I, I pull something out, man. And, and what I like, the crates. And I and what I always like about our guests, you know, and I'm I'm saying this sincerely. A lot of them, they they tell a story, mm-hmm. but they also have something behind that, you know, some knowledge, you know, that they share with our listeners about how to handle certain situations. I agree with 100%, man, about that playground. Oh, man, we had a ball, dude. We spent hours in there. We we would hoop all day, then go home, shower, eat, and go back to the park. And then if they get the woofing, we finna hooping them track nights that we used to wear. After we I, finish know, I, I never did the other part. I just hoop, 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 right? I didn't go right. shower. I stayed <laughs> in hoop, man. You it's just like, stayed all day long. Man. You know, I didn't go shower, man. Like not, not, not until later on. I went and took my shower because I was like, if I go home and shower, it's gonna relax me and put me in that relax mode. I want to stay right. in that peace mode. So <laughs> I'm funky and I'm going to who? Then so be it. You know, so be it. I, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go out there and do it. Hey, mama, tell you like at the beginning of all balls Chicago. Lil, you better get your butt out there and go play some ball on the concrete. <laughs> Welcome to all ball. Check it out. I mean, Come on, socks standing up at the door. Yeah, man. There's no question about it, man. But again, man, I want to thank our uh, listeners. I want to thank Bardo. Um, make sure we give some shouts out to John. 
Elmore, thank you. Irvin Small tuned in. Stephen Pierce. My daughter, Ashley Liberty, she tuned in. Love you, too. Um, it was another great show. Uh, Demetrius, you always, you know, you're always on. Carol, thank you. Make yeah, sure Keith, you subscribe. Keith Gill on here, Lib. That's Keith, Keith Gill, brother. Yep, that's Keith. That's Keith Gill. Uh, thank you, Keith, for tuning in. Um, I know we tried to get to a lot of the, you know, the comments, but it was hard because we were rolling. Michael McDonald, my man from uh, Dallas, you know, he knows me and Steve uh, played against them over in Japan. So that's my my guy. My man, Michael Conciacio. I can't never pronounce that last name, but the con man. Thanks for always chiming oh, in, the con man. Kevin White, A.L. Coleman. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, Tyrone Bradley on here. Shout out to Tyrone Bradley. Tyrone Bradley. Appreciate you, my man. Down on the West Coast, baby. And it's it's love and uh, just continue to support watchers, man. We trying to do some things, man. We trying to write our own narrative, like Roberto was saying. Guys, come on and talk about their lives, and share the story, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I know Bob. Chicago, man. I know Bob got to go do his thing. He said he's hungry. We got and on a hungry. hostage. Hungry than a hostage, baby. <laughs> Make sure you go check out my man Bobby Reed, Culture Device. Uh, is hot, need one, make sure you inbox him, the culture. Right. Go ahead and show it, Bob, again for our – Oh, yeah, we got the culture device, man. I, I, the headset is sitting over over here, but, you know, we got it right here. CultureDevices.com, man. Appreciate the support, though, man. Y'all been snapping supporting it, man. So no, I really no, appreciate no. that, man. And Liv, no. man, great interview. Stephen Bottle, I was just sitting back here like, damn, I wish I went to Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that crib line laying it up because I couldn't dunk. So, nope. but you, but everybody I talked to said you had mad handles. Oh yeah, they said uh, Bob had that. They said you had that Allen Iverson crossover. You get so man, low with it and dip with it and cross. <laughs> I had it first. I had it first, but jumping wasn't my gift. <laughs> I was like Black Larry Bird, man. It's all right, man. You did your thing, man, in the playgrounds. You still rapping for your hood. People still love you. People still watch our show. So, man, let's keep it going. All Ball Chicago. What you about that's to be it, like, big fella? Man, I'm finna go get me something to eat, man. And I'm finna go probably do that Margaret Liberty finger roll. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you can have, have it. You can have, you can have it. Finger roll, man. Let me borrow right. that. No, you can borrow it for a little bit. I'll let you borrow it, okay? Damn, man. I needed it in the 80s, man. Where was you at in the 80s? Man, dude. You was using it. I was No, I was somewhere creating it. It wasn't out in the 80s. It, it didn't come. It didn't. I mean, it was out in the 80s, but it came out late 80s. You know, What's up I, with that shirt you got on, though? No hype, man. Just work. Check it out. No hype. Just work. So many people. Who looking that logo? That's me. That's that finger roll. That's that Liberty Sweet. That's that Liberty Sweet roll. Liberty Sweet roll. <laughs> you forgot? No, oh, man, you forgot. All right, man. We got it. Peace, y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in. Peace, man. All right, All of
elite athletes that want to teach and it speaks to the streets. So it feel right. Marcus Liberty, a legend on and off the coat to give you what you need. Robert Reed is your co-host. Go, get, go, yeah. go, Like and subscribe and follow like a crossover. Never know what might fall through this bitch tomorrow. So, uh, all ball Chicago. All ball Chicago. All ball Chicago. All I know is all ball Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.